I'm walking all alone down my yellow brick road and I stomp to the beat of my own drum. Welcome to Stacked Keys Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stackhouse, a podcast to feature women who are impressive in the work world or in raising a family or who have hobbies that can make us all be encouraged, want to hear what makes these women passionate and get up in the morning or what they wish that they'd known earlier in life. Grab your keys and stomp to your own drum. Today I am in Prattville, Alabama, and I am with Kristen Irons. Welcome. So we will get to talking, and uh, I'll let Kristen introduce yourself as to who you are today. Who who would people know you as today? What do you do in your work life? I am Kristen Irons. I work at the Alabama Nature Center in Millbrook, Alabama, and I am the assistant director of school programs there. Oh, wow. Now, how long have you been there? So, I've been there four years now. So Right out of college? Yes. Yeah, so, I got I got the job right out of college. I started there as a part-time seasonal naturalist, and I worked my way up slowly throughout the years to the position I'm in now. Okay. And what's involved? Um, what, what would I find coming to the Nature Center? And the Nature Center is a part of... Alabama Wildlife Federation? Yes, so we're part of the conservation education branch of the Alabama Wildlife Federation um, where we share the property, Lanark, uh, with them. And um, the Nature Center, we have five miles of boardwalks and trails. We have the Natureplex, which is has our Discovery Hall, our interactive uh, hands-on uh, learning center, we have a theater for you to go in and watch nature documentaries, and we have a lot of uh, education animals there for you to go and learn about and get a hands-on, up-close view, and we do a lot of programs out of that facility as well. And it across the state, you bring in groups? Yes, across the state, and we've even had some out-of-state groups as well. Oh, even. really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what would the reaction of a kid who may not have had those kind of opportunities before, can you think of a favorite reaction that you've experienced? We've had some pretty hilarious reactions of kids who have never spent time outside or kids who have spent a lot of time outside but never really knew what was going on around them and never stopped and paid attention. Um, I think one of my favorites was when I first started working there and I knew that it was the right fit for me was when uh, a kid, I think first grade, um, came running up to me with something in their hands and they ran up to me. They were so excited, Miss Kristen, Miss Kristen. And they held open their hand and I looked inside and Miss Kristen, I found nature and it was an acorn. <laughs> And uh, I kept the acorn because it was just it was just perfect. The kid never noticed an acorn before, or didn't know what it was, or that it was a seed of a tree. And so, um, every day is something new and a new experience and a new um, reaction of what they find there. That's that is cool. All right, you started out growing up as a kid. Were you out in nature? Were you a part of? Stuffing things in your pockets like the the little creatures and what was your childhood like? So I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. So I grew up in the middle of the big city and uh, I still found nature around me. Um, I remember interacting with the squirrels and the birds and and the the things that we found, you know, they're raccoons and stuff. So I saw nature around me and... um, my mom decided that it would be a really cool thing when I was about five years old to get me a pet snake. And oh, my word. So that's what probably kick-started it. And so from that time on, we just always had a house full of critters. Um, and I spent summers in the Smoky Mountains and, you know, finding coyote tracks and stuff like that. That was just the the best thing in the world for me. Um, but I always wanted to get 
out of the city and go find nature. <laughs> that was the goal of my life. And I finally, you know, got out, I got out of there. And there's nature is all in the city. Um, but I just didn't know how to find it. You know, exactly what all was there. <laughs> yeah. So a snake, really? That's how you she yeah. introduced you? And you still have a passion for snakes. I really do, yes. I always have, since I was five. Yeah, I came to you with a snake that you really got excited about. So yeah. tell me about that snake and why it made you uh, excited that particular day. Uh, so that was an eastern hognose that you brought in, which I, it's not that they're rare. You just don't find them very often. Um, and it's just a really cool find. It's a cool snake. It's one of my favorite snakes and they have a lot of really cool adaptations. So it's really cool to get excited about, uh, people call them spread adders and things like that. And they flare their head out and they try to act like they're a cobra. And, uh, if that doesn't work to try to scare you away, they play dead and they roll over and they open up their mouth and their tongue falls out and they'll just sit there and play dead for, for a while until you go away and then they'll be fine. And so that's a really cool behavior in a snake. And oh, it's just as fascinating to me, uh, the adaptations and behaviors of animals and especially an animal that everyone's so afraid of. And it has those really cool behaviors and adaptations that are meant to frighten you away or to protect itself and defend itself. And uh, it's really neat to think about. It's really, it's just scared of you. <laughs> yeah. So how do you know things like that? How do you learn those types of characteristics? And did you learn that in your school or just dig more on your own? Or where do you, how do you find that kind of information? Um, I learned a lot growing up, you know, I was always interested and in, in learning about those things. And then uh, I went to Auburn University. Um, I majored in wildlife ecology and management. And one of my favorite classes was herpetology. And so I learned all about reptiles and amphibians in that class. And I just enjoyed every second of it. And our labs were just going out and catching critters, catching frogs and snakes and things like that, learning to ID them, um, having professionals with us to sit there and talk about all those characteristics. And it, it was just a very exciting part of my college career, and I enjoyed it immensely. <laughs> and so that was, um, you did your undergraduate Mm -hmm. at Auburn and have you gone further or are there certifications that you get in the field that you're in I uh, you can I have not gone further I guess I kind of found I found my calling um, I didn't really know what I was going to be going into and then I found AWF I found the Nature Center and um, that just that just fit and yeah. so I was really happy with it um, but I would like to, you know, eventually one day I'll probably go back and I know some friends of mine graduated and then they went back and they, they got their masters and they focused on reptiles and stuff. And that's something that I would probably do if I went back. Yeah. Now at the nature center, you've introduced different habitats. So you've had the experience of growing some habitats. What are some that you've been involved with? at uh, the nature center so are you talking about like the pollinator the, field yeah. or yeah so you know we've um uh, that's been an effort and uh, claude who's one of our biologists you know he uh that's part of our uh land uh, uh landowner stewardship uh branch of our fawf and he does a lot of work with restoring natural habitats and things like that and so he has done a lot of work on one of our big fields and I've helped him with that um, trying to restore what was kind of an old pasture field and turning it into a pollinator habitat uh, with native wildflowers and things like that for uh, our, all of our native pollinators and our honeybees that are on the property. Do you ever do like a count 
for the pollinators that are in a certain segment or do you are you involved well, in this year like this year we're actually going to try to do some monarch counts so we're going to be tagging monarchs as they come through how do you tag a monarch so they have little stickers and you catch them and you put a little sticker on their wing and it has a little it's just a really lightweight thing so they don't feel it and doesn't impair their ability to fly and it has an id number and you you register that with monarch watch Um, and it's really cool anyone can do that so you can do it in just if you decide you want to do that in your yard um, you can actually do that. It's a citizen science project. And we like to do a lot of those. And we like to talk to, to people about, hey, you can get involved. And you can be a scientist, too, if you want to do that. And um, so you can do that. And then scientists, when they they can track their migration. So if somebody else catches a butterfly with a sticker, they can look up that number and find out where it was, where it's been, and track its migration. Well, that's really neat. Mm-hmm. So how do you find that? So that's Monarch Watch. That's a website you can go to, and you can get a kit with the stickers and everything. That's really cool. Yeah. Because they're saying that there are more and more, or they're, the population is larger. Yeah. Um, so. They're, yeah, they're, they were um, up this past year. They were considering listing them on the endangered species list. But they, they ended up holding it off right now i'm not quite sure why i haven't delved into why that was put off but so there's growing concerns about about whether or not you know how their population is doing and so this is a way you can monitor that right Mm -hmm. you can actually get the data to support one way or the other Mm -hmm. um do you have a favorite um critter or or do you have a passion about something in, in particular i think my passion always has been and always will be critters that are the misunderstood ones and so that that includes the snakes including the venomous snakes and that includes the 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 ugly ducklings the possums and the um the big predators you know the coyotes and things like that um the things that there's a lot of stigma attached to that there's a lot of myths associated with and um, I think that's why education became my calling is so that I could to talk about these animals and try to clear up misunderstandings around them and so people understand that there's they have a they have a purpose and a role in our lives yeah and and it takes somebody like you to do that because it, it's not the same as if you even read it in a book but your passion kind of rolls off into those that you come in contact with. So when you are involved in a classroom setting, I mean, they're coming to you, mm-hmm. right? I go to schools too. Do you tell me about going into a school? What's that like? What do yeah. you do? So I'm a part of um, after school programs. So some schools have grants um, that allow them to do an after school program. And they contract us to come in and do enrichment programs for them. And so part of that is I bring nature to the school. And so some schools I might visit once a week. Um, Some schools it might be once a month. And generally I have a theme for the month. And we just go all into it. And uh, we just try to, I just try to either show them what's in their schoolyard um, about what nature they can find right then there. I mean, one of my favorite things that we've done is we put game cameras in the schoolyard oh, wow. for a month. Yeah, and they got to see that there were deer living in their schoolyard, and there were foxes. Um, Prattville Elementary School. We we got to see gray foxes, a pair of them, um, roaming right where there where their school is and stuff. And um, some of the other schools, you know, they had coyotes or they had deer and things like that. They were so excited. They had no idea because you can sit there and talk about it. You can even show them a track or um, scat or something like that. And I'm like, oh, sure, you put that there, whatever. You know, they don't believe you. Um, but you show them a picture. Like, it was standing right here, guys, just last night. And that blew their minds. Oh, I bet it did. Because a lot are living to where they don't ever see. I don't yeah. think I ever saw a deer, really. 
until we moved out to where we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm coming in and seeing two, three, four a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's a memo that goes out when it's hunting season and they all yeah. hide. And then <laughs> yeah. when it's over, they're all, you know, everywhere again. But, um, well, that's really neat. So if a teacher was listening to this and, and you're not in their school, would they be able to contact and maybe get in touch with you guys yeah. to do a program like that? And so we do. And so if a teacher wants us to just come in for a day and help them with a certain, we, we've done all kinds of things. Um, we recently went to a preschool and they were doing the letter B with their kids um, they're preschoolers and so we brought in some butterflies for them to see and we brought in a B for the letter B <laughs> and, um, so and for older kids you know if they want to do some uh, more advanced studies you know we can bring some things in to do that we have all sorts of resources um, we do custom programs and things like that to where we can work with with teachers to make a program to help them out and bring science alive for them wow so there's a team of you yes i mean not of you specifically (laughs) but a team that you guys work together to facilitate this yes so holly terry is our director of school programs and then um tammy smith is also our school program specialist so the three of us make up the school programs team and that's just school programs and then we have matt vines who does our camps and our public programs and things like that so if you come out on a saturday just to look around and you might want to catch a program going on you know he heads that up um any kind of cool things going on over the weekends that's all matt or even during the week we have programs going on then so uh, he heads that up so but other than that it's, it's kind of, it's really, it's the four of us that do programmatic stuff and two administrative staff. Um, and we, we just make it work and, and get it all done. Yeah. Is this what you thought you'd be doing when you Not at went all. into school and came out? And Not at all. So at all. did you intern as you came along in your Auburn program? No, I, well, I worked, um... The, the few things that I did, I, I volunteered at the Southeastern Raptor Center. I really enjoyed that, um, doing bird rehabilitation. And I worked in the lab helping graduate students with their lab work. Um, so I took care of animals and, and stuff. And honestly, that's what I thought I wanted to do. I wanted to work with animals. I didn't want to work with people. Even though I got told... When I first started this job, or when I first started the degree program, if you want to just work with animals, this isn't for you. I mean, they told you that. Because working with animals ends up working with people. Um, it's part of it. And I was like, oh, whatever. I'm going to work with work with animals. And, but that's most of what I do is work with people. And I just never thought that that's what I would be doing. And I never thought I would love it as much as I do. But that's, I, when I started, I realized I was home, you know, that was my calling, this is what I, this is what I was meant to be doing. And I feel like it took me a while to convince my boss of that for a while, because a lot of people, you know, pass on through as a seasonal naturalist, um, doing the, the field trips. And I was like, no, I'm really here to stay. I think this is for me. <laughs> this, is, this is where I'm meant to be. <laughs> Well, that's great. So what advice would you give somebody who has a love for animals or, or you know, has a love for even the misunderstood animals? What would be some advice that you would, would give them? Well, everyone told me, if you love animals, you want to be a vet, right? And there are so many more options out there than just being a vet. So you know, explore all those different realms and really get a taste for all those different career options that are out there just just because I I really enjoyed my time at Auburn because I got so many hands-on experiences there in all my different classes and I got to see 
um, what professionals did in the field. And it was, it was amazing to just see all the different things out there that you could do working with animals besides being a vet. Yeah. Yeah. Tori had the advice along the way of, uh, stay up close front with your professors. And yeah. when they say, Hey, I'm doing this research this weekend, go, go. Yes. Go do everything. Uh, do not and there were there were times due to other experiences you know other things going on in my life that held me back from going and I don't regret them because I'm in a good spot but I really wish I had taken advantage of all of those things all of those things um because and even now and I used to be kind of a I'm not really a shy person, but not really a people person, not really going out, but just to walk up and talk to, I've met some really cool people doing what I do. And that's what's awesome about my job. And I've had some great conversations with some really cool people who do really cool work and just going out there, just, just putting yourself out there, introducing yourself, shaking their hand and saying, Hey, what do you do? Can I, can I call you sometime? Can I, can I see what you do sometime, um, goes a long way. Yeah, that, that's a good thought there. Um, and it's hard to make yourself do that. It is, I mean, it's but it's worth it. It's intimidating to go up to somebody that you may think knows so much more than you, mm-hmm. but usually those are the people that want to share what they yeah. have learned along the well, way. Well, that's what I've, I have found that people usually are pretty excited to just share that. Yeah. Um, what about the bees i know that you've had some bees and had some struggles with some bees yeah didn't you so what can you tell me about those so and beekeeping was another thing i never saw myself doing it just kind of happened at the nature center um there were bees at the nature center and the person who was working the bees she had a baby and she wanted to go be a mom and so somebody was like oh who's going to take care of the bees now and I'm like sure I'll do it (laughs) and I knew nothing about bees and now I'm just head over heels in love with beekeeping and doing all of that and so yes we have bees um I'm working on getting my master beekeeper right now that my work has so wonderfully supported me you know following that path and it is constantly a struggle I was actually just talking to my coworkers this morning like I don't understand why these bees didn't read the same books that I did (laughs) because I've read the books and bees are not supposed to do certain things and they do them so obviously they haven't read the books and I should give them all a copy of the books I've read because they just don't understand. <laughs> so what are you talking about? What 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 do they do? I mean, oh, I, just, I, I just I never realized. I mean, you always hear busy as a bee. Yeah. And they really are busy. But there's so much to dividing colonies and I mean, there's a lot involved. There's it's so complex. Um their social structure is just it's very complex and there's so many factors at play. And not only that, but you've taken a super complex organism and you have put them into an artificial setting, into a box. And in, in fact, really, bees, you can, you can look at bees as sort of livestock at this point. So we've kind of selectively bred them and, and things like that to be very beneficial to us. And we've moved them around. You know, they're a non-native animal. Um, they're from Europe and we brought them here and uh, we moved them around all over the place and uh, because of that we have lots of pests and diseases and things and so what is already complicated we kind of make more complicated and then we're also trying to understand what a bunch of insects are doing and as intelligent as we humans are (laughs) trying to really understand what they are doing even though they're one of the most studied insects in the world there's still things that we can only speculate but that's part of the fascination you can you'll never get bored of bees you'll never get bored you'll never have all your questions answered 
And so there's that's the appeal there. Uh, and do you guys have bee boxes that are outside of a, an area that are like free? I, I don't know the terms, but they could come and go from those or are yours all encased within so they're they're then a traditional hive so they they go out and forage and everything the interesting part about it is that we kind of have a screen around it um the screen doesn't have a top so they go up and out you know because they got to go find flowers they can go up to four miles foraging for for nectar and water and things like that but the beautiful thing about it is that we can seat a class full of children around the screen and when I suit up and go into the hives they the bees are just concerned with me and if they go looking to see what else is around them if there's any other threats nearby they're going to hit the screen so viewers can get pretty up close i can take a frame of bees out and walk right up to the screen and the kids on the other side can see through the screen and watch look at the box and see larva honey pollen the queen drones workers everything but they're at no risk for being stung and i take it you've probably been stung once or twice Uh, yeah many times (laughs) It's all been my own fault, though. Yeah. It's all been usually me being uh, not wearing my suit properly or deciding it's too hot to wear a suit, so I'm not going to wear a suit. And you know, so I've been, I've been dumb a few times, and that's what will get me stung. <laughs> yeah, Becca is involved with um, bees, and she had skinny jeans on, and it's like, <laughs> well, that's like just take your pants off i mean they're yeah. gonna go right through that yeah they will so. they will i've had them go up my pants I've, I've worn loose pants with no uh, boots on and they've gone right up my pant leg before <laughs> uh, uh. now y'all actually harvest the honey mm-hmm. and bottle it mm-hmm. so that's pretty cool yeah so we sell that in the gift shop at the nature center so and we usually try to make it a whole educational experience. So we, you can watch us go into the hives, pull the frames of honey out, cut it, put it in the extractor. You know, usually the kids all get to watch it spin and everything, filter it, um, you know, which is just straining the little pieces of wax and stuff like that, bottle it, and then you can buy it right there. And we did that twice this year, and um, we never ended up with any in the gift shop at all. <laughs> Just sold right there. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. It's like hands-on experience, basically. Mm-hmm. So That's what we aim to yeah. do. It's always, we always try to have a hands-on experience. So you hear people talk about if you enjoy your work, then you really are never working a day. Mm-hmm. Is that, you sound as if that might be where you are in your career? Yeah, I'm definitely so. Um, there are pros and cons. <laughs> I feel like um, I'm very passionate about my work, so I, my work is kind of my life, and I'm okay with that. I get very, I get very into it. So if things don't go right, you know, I get very frustrated because um, I just have have it all set how I want it to be. So there's there's that part because I like the bees need to read the book yeah (laughs) yeah um I because because I can't because it's not something I just want to oh well it's just work and I can go home at five and it just stays there because um I'm very passionate about it and I want it to I want everything to go well so there's that part of it but I wouldn't change that for anything Um, it's it's definitely it's a passion and I love it. So a lot of people go on vacation to interact with nature. Do you go away from nature to no. vacation? Or do you no. dive further in? I so. just go. I just enjoy delving into nature without kids around me. So that's my vacation. Yes. <laughs> Is being able to. I, no, I, usually my vacations are camping. Um, I went to 
my my past one was going down to the beach. I spent hardly any time on the beach, though. I spent most of it looking for pygmy rattlesnakes down there, which is what I was one of my bucket list species to see. I did. I found two babies, so oh, wow. I was very excited to to find that. So that was my vacation. That's funny. Um, so, so where do you find a pygmy pygmy rattlesnake? Well, they're actually more common down there than than people would think than they um, want to think than they want to think yeah they're very small they you know they're very camouflaged they really want nothing to do with anybody else so the two that we found were close to trails people were walking by snakes had nothing to do with them um, you would have never noticed them there um, they liked edge edges so edges of brush um, this time of year is is peak time so this is when rattlesnakes are, are moving either um, the one we found was a one of the ones we found was a newly hatched or I say hatched they give live birth so it was just yeah it was one that had just been born um, so this is the time they're giving birth so it's a good time to go find one right about now and then going at dusk you know is a good time of day so all the stars align and you're in the right habitat and everything and you look around edges of brushes and under logs and stuff you might find one and when you find something like that do you just picture it and look at it or do you remove it or I just, what do you do i take just a picture and it. leave it alone and yeah that's it just and en- just enjoy getting to just to look at something and just admire it and leave it alone. I did. One of them was really close to some public bathrooms, and I did take a stick and, you know, kind of scooch it on its way. I'm like, oh, you should probably get out of here, little guy. Um, but Self-preservation. Yeah. He, I mean, he was right in just the worst possible spot <laughs> for a snake to be. And uh, it was some people were wondering what we were doing, and they came up and like oh it's it's a little baby pygmy rattlesnake so we ended up educating a little bit while can't we were help there yourself, can no you? it's just part of it i just feel like every every vacation i've ever been on come, happens at some point or another and uh send it on its way into the into the brush and all was well and that would be a poisonous snake right yeah venomous snake that's one of our six uh, venomous snakes that we have here in alabama so my goal is to find all six in the wild. And how are we on that goal? Well, that was that was number four. So I still haven't found a diamondback or a diamondback rattlesnake or a coral snake in the wild. But technically there are three different kinds of pygmy rattlesnakes. So... If I want to get technical, I still need to find two other kinds of pygmy rattlesnakes <laughs> in the wild, too. So do you, like, filter your friends with, hey, we're going to go on the speech trip, but we're probably doing this? Or are they already like-minded? Well, I'm lucky that um, I have a wonderful boyfriend who is also, he's really like-minded. And he's a avid birder and so he's looking checking birds off his list I'm checking reptiles and we cross-pollinate you know and I'm like you know <laughs> I get into birds and he gets into snakes and so he found the first pygmy rattlesnake I was totally jealous it's like this is not fair you're not supposed to find them supposed I'm supposed to up I know <laughs> but uh so that's great and uh this is I I but I do most of the people I hang around are my nature nerd family which is at the nature center and those are my that's that's part of it that's my family (laughs) yeah so if you were talking to a young lady what would you tell her in designing her life that um you know as far as making sure that you can follow your passions and what what advice or pointers would you give her oh that's hard i don't know i will say um having experienced quite a few things in my life and and also having watched some other younger girls I guess um as I've gotten older and watching younger girls in today's struggles 
uh, do not plan your life around around some boy. <laughs> like I think that's probably one of my my major things that I would have to say. I know that's kind of way off topic from what we've been talking that's about, where but we're going everywhere we can go, and it's important for somebody yeah. that's as passionate about her career and choices to share. How do you get there? How do you make sure that you don't lose that? Yeah, so, but yeah, that's a that's going. a really important thing. And I see that a lot, and uh, that makes me sad. <laughs> and I've been there, and yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Well, and you do see a lot. You see a lot of high schoolers come through, and yeah. if they're not paying attention to the nature, they. And Tom jokes sometimes that he um, was a Boy Scout until he discovered Girl Scouts, mm. and it's like, oh man. And he's just being kind of funny, but at the same time. You know, it's hard to find um, the groups that you need to belong in. Mm -hmm. But they're there. I mean, who would think that you'd have a a snake and a bird buddy? Yeah. But they're there. Yeah. So a lot of times you have to wait until you get a little older to find what you like for one and where you're going to be for one. And then... When that happens, then you find other people who like the same things you do. Yeah. I think that that's key. Mm-hmm. One, figure out what you like mm-hmm. and, and continue to pursue that. Yeah. So, all right, you have the, the snake path that you're looking to find. What other animals or what other treasure hunts are you on? Well, you know, and, and bees have become a big part of my life, too. And just at work or at home? Too? At home, too. Um, so I have my own hives, and my boyfriend and I, we have our own hives, too. So that's a, a, an undertaking that we have, and I enjoy that. Um, and I've branched out. I've branched out not just snakes. I've branched out into to a lot of reptiles. And it used to, it started with snakes, but, you know, I've branched out into all kinds of, of reptiles and amphibians. I really struck up a passion for raptors when I was working at Southeastern Raptor Centers and so doing some more reading and research and stuff into that um I've always liked you know big predators and stuff I've always liked bears and that kind of thing um the ability to go into research or anything like that's not not of an interest right now but that's always been one of my passions is is uh, teaching people the importance that predators play in our ecosystem I think is is key and a lot of people don't understand that yeah so do we really have bears right in our area not we in really don't not in do our we? area there's um a population in around Mobile yeah. in that area, you know. And then there's a, also a population up around Fort Payne area, so opposite corners there. And we both have a lot of hiking and that type of mm-hmm. outdoor life for yes, people. So they do. Education would be really important. And that, from from what research we know, that pop, those populations are growing, mm-hmm. which is great. We, we want that. And you will, and people have seen on the news, you know, it's not uncommon for a young male to go wandering, trying to find something, you know. He, and so that's when we see them come through the middle of the state. Uh, it doesn't mean we have a population here, but you might see one yeah. every once in a while, um, just wandering through. Um, and so understanding that as that population grows, that we should we should understand that they are here and they might become more visible or something and especially in those areas of the state and just to to know what that means and it doesn't have to be a scary thing it can be a very exciting thing um i think it's a very exciting thing but a lot of people have a lot of a stigma is attached to that and and there are some precautions that everyone should take especially with dealing with 
a large animal, um, the, you know, teaching people not to feed wildlife. And that goes for, that goes for all wildlife. That's not just your bears, but I, we, we talk about that a lot at the nature center, not to feed wildlife, not to try to handle wildlife and to keep wildlife wild. That's one of the most important things you can do. Cause if wildlife stays wild, then we don't have to worry about it. You know, wildlife's going to be afraid of us. It's when we start trying to make wildlife our pets that we have a problem with with things. And so as long as we can teach the public in general that message that that's really important, then, you know, we'll, we'll be good. Yeah. So do you see, uh, I don't know if they come to you as much, but do people try to bring y'all wildlife oh, yes. all the time? We, and they do, and it's important to and we always try to talk about you know we're we're a private nonprofit, so we're not part of the department of conservation and natural resources we're also not a rehabilitation facility so we cannot take your your wildlife um, but the most important thing you can do when you find wildlife is to leave it alone and that's very very hard thing for people to do and people are very well intentioned yeah and it's hard to try to tell someone who means so well that they're doing more harm than good um but uh, when you find baby animals you know around a lot of times just because they look like a baby doesn't mean that they can't survive on their own, for yeah. one. Um, the other thing is that a lot of times mama's close by just because you don't see her doesn't mean she's not there. She's not going to alert you to where her babies are, so she's not going to to be coming there. A lot of times, like a baby squirrels, uh, squirrels will pick up their babies and move them from place to place and if a human comes up well she'll drop the baby and hide because she doesn't want to attract you to her baby so then somebody finds the baby and takes it somewhere well mama's going to come back to it and just because you touch a baby doesn't mean she's going to abandon it come on I mean motherly instincts are strong we should we should know this by now and um just to leave things leave things alone because nature, nature's gonna, nature's gonna figure it out and work it out, and the less intervention that we do, the better in in regards to that. Yeah, the only reason why I brought you a snake was Tori, who's <laughs> friends with you. Um, that one I asked for. Picture, <laughs> I sent her the picture because the snake was eating a toad that was mm-hmm. way too big for it mm-hmm. and I just sent her the picture and she asked me to if I thought I could get it and I'm like what yeah I mean that was a foreign concept to me but it was so that you could have an education yeah too. and so so that was a wonderful I was so excited because we don't see them that much and when people do see those animals they assume that they've spotted a cobra in their yard and they get very afraid and so having a animal like that as an education animal is fantastic because we can show something that is common um or that people could see and we can give them an up close encounter with it and show them that's not anything to be afraid of and so that was a wonderful education tool to to bring in Oh, yeah. I learned a lot. Um, and it was beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that, to me, you discover the beauty in, in wildlife. And is there anything you can equate to that? I mean, it just seems like I saw a beauty that I did not see in that snake before I came in. Yeah, and if I can get people to see that, then I'm happy because I understand that people have their fears and and people are not going to like things, and I'm I'm totally okay with that. If you don't like snakes, I'm not going to force you to try to like snakes. It's okay if you don't like snakes, 
But if I can just get you to appreciate the fact that they're here and they have a a role, and if I can just get you not to kill them, then I've done my, my job. And if I can really, the easiest way for me to do that is for me to show you one and for you to be able to see that they are something beautiful and to take away some of those that misinformation that has been passed around for so long from so many people and for you to get that up close look at something so pretty because they are they're beautiful um so much in nature is beautiful you just gotta stop and look at it yeah and they're so adapted to wherever they are mm-hmm. and it, it i think that amazes me the most mm-hmm. of how their colors are exactly what they need to be and um and yet we've changed so much um around them i mean we're kind of putting the house where they that was their yeah field. yeah so it's very different for them i'm sure well yeah and uh one of my favorite things to get asked is well how do i keep the how do I keep the armadillos out of my yard? Your yard? Well, where are the armadillos going to go? Yeah. Well, we you plant you put the house in their yard. <laughs> yeah. And you know, as more and more houses go up, as more and more land gets turned into subdivisions and things like that, which is I mean, it's going to happen. But we've got to figure out a way to to coexist because where are they going to go? I don't have a a magical solution because not everyone can just poof, make their armadillos disappear. They've got to be somewhere. And a lot of them have adapted to living in urban areas, which is pretty amazing. And that's great. They've, they've learned to live with us. Imagine that. I thought we were pretty hard to live with, but they've actually learned to live with us. And but um, we don't even want that. And so we've got to figure out some, some way to coexist. That's an interesting thought. Um, all right, family-wise, are you from this area? or From Jacksonville, Florida. Okay, Jackson, that's right, you said that. So your parents are still in Jacksonville? They are, they are. So it's not too far down the road, but that's a very different climate. And, well, I guess the temperature is about the same, but, but different terrain for sure. Yeah, um, but I, I fell in love with Alabama a long time ago for some reason. I, I, I say that now, now that I am a biologist and I've learned so much about Alabama, I know why, but I can't pinpoint what it was that first attracted me to Alabama. I can't, I can't pinpoint what it is. Now that I understand it more, you know, it's pretty amazing. We have everything from beaches to mountains and, I I love it. Um, biologically, it's such a diverse place. I, I go down to Florida, and it's just a little, it's a little too muggy. There's <laughs> a little too much. Uh, now for snakes and stuff, it's great, but yeah. it's just a, a little too swampy, a little too muggy for me down there. <laughs> Did you, when you were in college, go on any of the alligator hunts or any of the tagging and things like that that Tori did? I did not. I did not do or any of that. the bats? Did you get involved? I you did. You went on the bats? Mm-hmm. I did get to go um, and do some, some bat stuff. See, I'm totally jealous, though, because I don't have my rabies shot. Yeah, so she I can't, went and got that. Yeah, that's on my wish list. Yeah. I don't know if that's on many people's wish list, but it's on my wish list to get my rabies shot. <laughs> I have to tell you, it's not on many people's wish I, list. I know, and people and think I'm... odd looks. Yeah, I need to... Yeah, I really would like, because just for, for anyone who's curious, it's very expensive to get your rabies shot, and that's required to work with certain animals like bats, and I really want my rabies shot. <laughs> well, you ought to build some bat houses, and then it will be a necessity. Yeah. yeah. Somebody's got to man the bat population. Something, yeah. Something. Build a cave or whatever. <laughs> so, um, well... We've kind of danced around a lot of areas, but your your goals, I mean, you're pretty much where you want to be right now, but what are you looking toward? Um, probably still education and still, but travel, do you have any, any? Um, you, 
mentioned a bucket list earlier. Oh, yeah. So what are some things on that bucket list? Uh, travel is probably the biggest thing on that bucket list is to be able to, I really want to go to Australia. That's one of my, I really want to go and, and see some, some critters there. Um, South America is another place that I'd really like to go and, and see some of those. So I have a, a critter bucket list. I don't know, it's not, maybe not everyone's thing that they have, but um, yeah, a critter bucket list, definitely. Um, but other than that, I feel like most of my goals involve, <laughs> I, we always have ideas for the Nature Center, and we always have ideas for how we want, uh, things we want to do there. And that's always exciting. That's always keeping us motivated and busy and doing things. So we're always working on working on something new and improving it and making it better and um, trying to come up with new things. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's great that y'all have that as a, a mission, all of you together, because you sometimes you have some of the same groups or kids come through, but th- at different ages mm-hmm. and they're able to learn different things and then mm-hmm. the communities involved out there so that's there are a lot of collaborations that happen in the yes, organization there are and I didn't even realize that when I first started working there how big it was and how many places that we work with and what our reach was and it's really it's really cool to, to see how it all works and we all have the same mission in mind and it feels really neat to be a part of something larger like that well that when you're going to get your education I mean you're looking for something that you can plug into and be a part of that makes a difference Mm -hmm. so you feel like you found that yeah definitely and if you were talking to somebody who was trying to figure out their education you already said don't just limit yourself yeah. If you're invo- interested in animals, go beyond. Mm-hmm. But um, what other, any anything else you can think of that we haven't touched on that might be a piece of advice that you would want to give young people or, or even people who are hitting that second career or third career? Oh, it's never too late. And I will say, just to, to talk about some of our naturalists, we have... We have a great team of naturalists who work at the Nature Center, and they range in age from somewhere in the early 20s all the way to their 70s. And some of them are retired from all sorts of things, dental hygienists, uh, teachers, uh working in the field as, you know, biologists, uh, doing all kinds of, of work in there. And that we all work together and we all do this job of taking kids out and educating them. And it's really cool seeing how we all have this, we all have different backgrounds, different ages, different life stages, you know, and we all have this common goal and passion. And it is never too late. <laughs> never too late to to find something that you're interested in and never too late to learn and I admire so much some of these naturalists who have come in and they are in their 60s and 70s and they are just soaking up information like a sponge and they just always want to learn and I admire that so much I just always want to be that way. I always want to be learning. I never want to feel like, oh, I know it all now and close myself off like so many people do. And I, you know, I want to I want to be like them when I grow up. <laughs> That's a great sentiment from from a life that they're living. So there are volunteer opportunities. There are. So those are our paid naturalists. So they yeah. they work, you know, part-time, seasonal. So it's kind of a an odd gig. Um, but it, people, they do it because it's what they love to do. It's a passion. And they're fantastic at it. And we're always looking for fantastic people to do, to do that job that are the right fit. 
and um, but we also have volunteer opportunities too so we have volunteers that come out and help us with all sorts of all sorts of things that that we need help with and it's always something different so you never get bored (laughs) yeah well while you're talking that made me think did you have a mentor coming along was there somebody in your life that you kind of looked toward or when you went into college that there was somebody that you kind of wanted to mimic a a bit I feel like I've, I've had several you know I had several really awesome professors and things like that that I I and I I I say that I'm a fangirl of so many people you know and I'm always finding people who I look up to and I look up to the naturalists that work out there and uh, I I did have several wonderful professors and things like that um, while I was in college that I would consider mentors and yeah, a lot of people, I noticed that a lot of students coming through would just kind of uh, just not like the teacher, you know, or, oh, they're too hard, or, oh, they grade too tough, or whatever, but um, they have a, I just never looked at it that way. I just always um, soaked in what what different professors had to had to their stories that they had to tell and what they had to to give and I got a lot of value out of that and speaking with professors and finding out their stories and and where they've been and what they've done and that probably set me on my way. You seem to connect to stories and to not just stories of people but stories of animals and stories of yeah. Know, why something's the way it is or has the reaction mm-hmm. so that seems to be a theme um anything you can think of that we haven't covered that you want to make sure that you would say God, just come and check us out at the nature center always come and come and see us out there and um you can look us up and come and visit and see what we have to offer and for for all things for all ages Um, all kinds of programs and whether you're interested in finding your passion and wanting to work or if you just want to learn some more about nature and come out and visit you know it's a great place to to come and check out so what's the contact information so you can go to our website which is alabamawildlife.org and find a lot of information there about that's about AWF and the Alabama Nature Center and then the Nature Center also has a Facebook page which is the Alabama Nature Center and Natureplex Facebook page and that's updated regularly with all of our events and things like that and if you have questions you can ask it on the on the Facebook group and we're always monitoring that to try to answer your questions about anything you might might have and if somebody wanted to get in touch with you specifically, then they could get in touch with you through the Nature Center? Yeah, so they can get in touch with me through the Nature Center. Um, they can call our phone number. Uh, we have one standard phone number, which is 334-285-4550, and just ask for me. Okay. Got one question for you, and we'll wrap up. Um, you have, If you were given one superpower <laughs> for one day, 24-hour period, and it can be personally or professionally. What would your superpower be, and how would you use it? Oh, I, to talk to animals. I just want to know what they got to say, and I've got to know how they feel about seeing all these kids every day. <laughs> I wonder if they're a little more curious than even the kids are about them. Well, I have speculations about some. I think some of them really are hams, and they enjoy it. And I think some of them are ready for retirement. So, you know, I need to know these things. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Kristen, thank you so much for your time today.
Find Stacked Keys Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, or anywhere you get your favorite podcast listen. You'll laugh out loud, cry a little, and find yourself encouraged. Join us for casual conversation that leads itself based on where we take it, from family to philosophy to work to meal prep toward beautifully surviving life.